Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Chris Nykammer. We're all here. We're all Yay. back together. Wow. The crew is back together. <laughs> but there's a song about that. I mean, thing. for those listening, I will say it is uh, before 10 in the morning and traffic is really bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you might even get a little bit spicier for Lauren Evans than normal, but uh, I think the people are here for it. Yeah, the people are here for it. <laughs> I feel that though. Yeah. yeah. So I was looking up some random facts. And I felt like... <laughs> Did you just like sit down and like Google? <laughs> www.google.com. Random facts. <laughs> it was pretty close to doing that. It was pretty It was pretty close. I think I Googled fun facts. But I was like, this one feels appropriate for summer because you vacation often in beach places. Or if you're from Florida, you just see alligators life. a part of your life. Uh, so I learned that alligators can stick their tongues out. But crocodiles can't. Crocodiles, their tongues are literally attached inside their mouth. I still don't get that. Like, I just, <laughs> I can't even imagine. Like, it's just stuck there. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't move. I don't, uh, I mean, I, I assume it still serves a great purpose. Yeah. But. Uh, also, alligators are, like, scary, but they keep to themselves. Mm-hmm. And, like, crocodiles are, like, death machines. They are. So, like. <laughs> yeah. That could be a band name, Death Machine. <laughs> crocodile is. Death Machines. Crocodile Death Machine. But it's true. Like, they, it's. They're scary. And they have those little pointy. Yeah. 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 So. Well, I was telling Kristen yesterday <laughs> that I was, like, trying to logic through this. Yeah. Um, maybe not on enough sleep of why crocodiles can't stick their tongues out. And my first thought was, oh, well, that makes sense because if they bit their tongue, that would really hurt. <laughs> and I'm but, sitting here like, they both have sharp teeth. For yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, I was like, but then that doesn't make sense because alligators can. They also have very sharp teeth or sharks. Like yeah. there's a lot of animals with very Dogs, sharp teeth. Dogs. Cats. Yeah, people. Yeah. It bite my tongue. It really it hurts. hurts. It, it really does hurts. really hurt. Yeah. Wow, we're really hitting the hard issues this I morning. Know, so. really are. Yeah. <laughs> I promise we're going to get to some actual hard did, issues. Did anyone think this is where that conversation was going <laughs> when, when she said random facts? <laughs> <laughs> Crocodiles, alligators, tongues. All right. Well, before we go too far down this rabbit hole, Kristen, you need to stop us. What do we have queued up on today's show? Yes. Up on today's Problematic Women, it has been... One year since Roe v. Wade was overturned, and a new poll indicates how Americans view abortion today. Plus, we caught up with a former NFL player turned pro-life advocate to ask his advice on where the fight for life stands. Also on today's show, we break down one of the biggest hidden crime rings in the world, child slavery. And as always, we'll be crowning our problematic woman of the week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find those stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. One year ago, we were outside the Supreme Court. We've talked about this on the show. It was a Friday morning, madly refreshing our phones, waiting for SCOTUS cases to be released. I just remember, like, this is such a core memory. It's it like, is. Virginia being like, it's out! It's out! <laughs> and, like, like literally, I not that's probably, like, like four <laughs> octaves below where it really was. And I'm, like, literally, like, they're like, Virginia, like, 
Uh, we're I just here as a formality. It's not coming out today. At first, I did like, it. Wait, what? No, I was like, it's not coming out today, Virginia, because it wasn't supposed to come out for a week or two. Yeah, I don't even know why we went. Like, we were like, it's not going to happen, but we'll still welcome. Yeah, it was like everyone was doing it because it was like, well, it could be, but I was convinced it was going to be the last case of the term that they mm. released, which was going to be just before July fourth, and obviously. It June was not. 24th rolls around, and <laughs> it was an insane moment. Bubbles at the sur- at the Supreme Court, tears, laughter. Uh, lots of shouting. Lots of yeah. shouting, both out of joy and anger for those on the pro-abortion side. I mean, it was instantaneous, just this eruption of emotion, and it is wild. That I, I also hear th- a year later. It was so funny where it was like, it happened, both sides shouted for a while, then the pro-choicers went home, uh-huh. and then the pro-life was like, okay, we'll have a party. Yep. And then they went home, and then the pro-choicers had like a vigil that night. <laughs> yeah. It was just funny. Came like, back they, in anger. They Antifa knew. showed up. Yeah. <laughs> there was like a schedule of like, who gets the Supreme Court when? It I'm, kind of felt like that. Yeah. I'm having like major FOMO because I was actually, I started at Heritage, I think almost exactly a week after this oh, all occurred. You should have FOMO. I, I do. But I was in Florida, and it was even huge there, which is so funny because a lot of issues you know their beltway quote-unquote issues but this this one was huge and in florida people were like all over the place excited um i went to a crossfit gym surprise surprise there and they were even talking about it there and i was just it it just shows you the ripple effects that something that is literally life-changing has on our country i mean arguably the the most important most significant supreme court decision of our lifetime for sure Uh, I mean, really, when you consider the number of lives affected, truly. And we, frog in the throat, we were so privileged to have Ben Watson here at the Heritage Foundation. I'm a little bit biased, but uh, (laughs) Ben Watson, for those that don't know, is a former NFL player, former tight end, and he started his career with the New England Patriots. My team ended his career with the New England Patriots, played for over a decade, and just phenomenal player, but such a... A pro-life advocate. He has, I think, seven kids of his mm-hmm. own. Just uh, an amazing man who's really used his platform, his influence to be a voice for those that don't have a voice. So he was speaking at the Heritage Foundation and I was sitting in the back because I was going to interview him for the Daily Signal podcast and was taking some notes. And then they open it up to Q&A and all of a sudden I hear Kristen's voice. <laughs> <laughs> so Kristen, you actually ask him a question. Yeah, no, I, I mean... Hey, I love sports. I am not a huge football fan for the NFL, definitely more college, but I can respect a top-tier athlete when I see them. And, man, he was huge, (laughs) Um, made me feel tiny. Um, But how amazing was it to see someone with so much athleticism, with so much pull in the cultural conversation, just go out there and just tell a story of why he's getting involved with this and kind of how he's impacted others. He even talked about one of his teammates who he was a rookie with that was also drafted to the Patriots and how he kind of helped him get through the mm. um, abortion, uh, I guess, uh, situation that he was in yeah. um, and mentally get through that. So I, you know, was feeling really empowered, feeling really good about what he was saying because he's a hero for sure. And I just asked him, you know, um, as everyone looks up to you as an athlete, I've looked up to athletes before, but I've never looked up to them in that like political sense. And now that he's this huge um, figure for the pro-life movement, I just asked him for you know advice he has for those um, that are are getting involved and and how to you know stay true to their compass. So mm. yeah, this is I think we have the the video of what he said. We do. Let's yeah. play his answer. Piece of advice I always give is uh, 
you know, for athletes, whether you're at the pro, college, even high school level, um, is kind of going back to your question about being being a man on a mission. Understand your mission. Mm. What are the things that break your heart? What are the things that you're passionate about? And then understand, specifically when it comes to pro-life advocacy, um, it might be a lonely road. Prepare yourself for that. Mm. But there will be surprise friends and allies that you would never think would be there. Uh, one thing I've seen is even during my time in the NFL, I would write something or say something about um, you know, pro-life, protecting children, protecting women, something like that. I would have coaches even come up to me and whisper, I saw what you said, and mm-hmm. I agree with you. But there's this idea that we can't say these things. And so understand that you're not alone. Um, but the larger voices would try to snuff that out. The larger voices would try to say that that is not a popular opinion. And statistically, it may not be. But there are people who will come alongside you. And kind of like a fire that starts with a little spark, um, understand that when you speak up, it will give other people courage. So I would say um, I always always tell them, educate yourself on what you want to talk about. Be willing to count the costs and be willing to be bold and courageous because you will inspire others and others will come alongside you. So I I loved his answer, and I I think he is very practical. He's he's very down to earth when he gave that answer. But then just mm-hmm. in in talking to him on the Daily Signal podcast, he recognizes both the challenges and the fact that the pro life movement is really at this crossroads of we've been working so hard and doing so much for so long, but the fight is not over. Uh, and I. I was really fascinated this week to see that The Federalist published a Gallup poll, um, reported on a Gallup poll that was sort of weighing how Americans view abortion today. So The Federalist reports that a new Gallup poll um, has found that 37 percent of U.S. adults believe abortion should be allowed during the second trimester. So 37 out of 100 Americans still say abortion should be allowed during the second trimester. Okay, but only 22% of those that were polled say that they supported ending life in the womb in the third trimester. Um, and the the poll did also find that 69% of Americans reportedly think abortion should be legal in um, the first three months of pregnancy. So I'm like, okay, this highlights a couple different things. It highlights progress has been made, but we still have a long way to go. Uh, Some of the good news that the Federalists found in this Gallup poll was that in 2022, Gallup found that 39% of Americans identified as pro-life. Now that's up to 44%. So I think in the pro-life movement, it can be really easy to get discouraged and like, okay, we still have so far to go, which which we do, but like, okay, that that's a big win and a big victory that five more percent of Americans are saying, I am pro-life. I identify with someone who wants to protect life in the womb than did last year. Uh, and given all of the shifting tides in our nation, I'm like, this is an encouraging fact. Um, but I was reminded that, you know, something that we talk about here at Heritage and that is so, I think, foundational to really talking about the pro-life movement is we have to push forward and and promote legislation that protects all children in, in the womb. And we've, we've sort of used the expression of heartbeat or better that a baby at the very, very least 
needs to be protected from the time that their little heart starts beating. Um, and that usually starts right around uh, the six-week mark. And we've seen so many states begin to pass bills. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that there's about half of states across America have bills that are either heartbeat bills or um, 12-week bans on abortion that protect um, those in the womb. So I'm like, okay, we're we're going into the anniversary, and it's 100% a time to celebrate, and it's also a time to, I think, be, be encouraged and a little bit challenged once again mm-hmm. of the fight's not over. I think one of the biggest things I, I was able to take away from Ben Watson visiting Heritage yesterday, he just came out with a book, by the way, um, I think think it's called the new fight the for new life. fight for life yeah it's it's excellent um but one of the biggest things i took away again he's former athlete um but he in his response was often like people feel alone they feel like they're you know standing up for something by themselves and and he reflected on his time at the patriots and and elsewhere at his other teams <laughs> his other teams <laughs> you know the, the, ones that are, the ones that don't matter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um he said that it's a lonely road but um what he continue to remind himself is if you are fighting for justice um, and you are fighting uh, out of love um, that this mission is going to you're going to be carried um, on this mission because it's larger than you Mm. and I just thought that was so encouraging and I think that this polling further solidifies that hey you might feel alone but you're not 37 percent of U.S. adults believe abortion should be allowed during the second trimester. That means 63 percent of U.S. adults believe abortion should not be allowed. It's interesting that Gallup actually wrote it this way because it would be so much more empowering if they had written it in the do not believe. And I don't know, maybe there's some legal reasons behind that. But I think what is so important is that, yes, we are seeing um, more and more Americans kind of wake up and realize, yes, there is life. Uh, this is a life. Um, Virginia was talking to me yesterday, and she, I don't want to steal your thunder, but you can steal it. <laughs> you said it. when um, during the process of fertilization, the egg and the sperm have everything that a baby needs to survive. So intervention is the only thing not allowing for that baby to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think a lot of people are waking up to that. This Gallup poll, this Federalist piece, I mean, all of these things, including a former NFL athlete, are showing Americans that life is happening and we need to respect that and honor it. Um, one of the most powerful things, too, yesterday that I took away from the, his speech was we aren't mourning enough when there are miscarriages and when um, abortions do occur. And yeah, human dignity is everything. And it was beautiful because a, a colleague of ours kind of talked about her miscarriage and how she had to fight to give that that baby a bur- burial and really honor its life. And so I think something that I took away and that if you guys feel like inclined is really honoring those that we have lost through the terribleness that is abortion, but also the terribleness that is something out of our control and that is miscarriage mm-hmm. and and know that you are seen and that that life is going to be respected and honored because it is a life. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's beautiful, Kristen. Well said. Thank you. I was just on one. <laughs> Well, and what I really enjoyed about the the Watson event yesterday, which I think really kind of in, encompasses everything that you said, is that it, he's not your typical right of center pro life activist, right? Mm-hmm. And he's very upfront about that. He very very much believes in um, you know social justice and and more like uh, 
of those, I would say, probably left-leaning government policies. But he came to Heritage. He spoke with Delano, who was, you know, very much right of center. He really, I, I think, had a great uh, message for men um, mm. in his speech of, mm-hmm. like, this isn't just a, a fight for women. Like, we yeah. need to stand up as men and we need to challenge other men because that's the only way that men will stand up, right? Yeah. And so I think his message was so powerful because it's not one that you hear. It kind of doesn't fit in this normal box. So true. Um, and that, and for us, I mean, at the end of the day, we would love for everybody in America to agree with everything the Heritage Foundation believes <laughs> in, you know. <laughs> but it, that's just not a reality, right? And that's part of living in a, in a republic. But I think these coalitions between people who understand these truths, right? Because you can argue on tax policy, whether, you know, uh, 10% or 20% tax, you know, is, is great. But I think you can't argue on the legitimacy of a human life, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why coalitions like this, and it's so brave for someone like Benjamin Watson to stand up because, you know, he do- he doesn't really fit in well on either side. And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a powerful stance. And, um, yeah, I, I really in- enjoyed the event. And yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was watching it from my desk. And I hear this voice. I'm like, oh, I... I- <laughs> Who is? And then I was like, oh, yeah. There's Kristen. Kristen. First question on the game. We we had a moment, too. He was like, what sport did you play? Because I told him I played uh, soccer. And he's like, that was my first love. Terrible at it. (laughs) It was really I find that hard to believe, too. I know. Yeah. Like, how do you define terrible, sir? You are very athletic. All right, well, stay tuned because up next, we're going to be talking a little bit about the fight for life on the world stage. But before we get there, I want to take just a minute to share about another great podcast product that's in the Heritage Foundation network called Power Hour. And Power Hour is all about bringing you information as it relates to energy and environmental policy. So we're talking about rising gas prices, power grids, all of these things that affect us literally on a daily basis, but can sometimes feel a little bit wonky. So if you want to dive a little bit further into how how some of these things work and how energy problems how energy policy actually affects us on a daily basis, then check out Power Hour on the Heritage Foundation Podcast Network. So as we've been talking about the the debate over life, it's of course still raging here in America, but it's also still raging on the world stage. Uh, there's There's been this debate happening inter- internationally, and there's actually a push internationally to codify a human right to abortion. This push is coming from what we know as the group of seven. These are seven nations that sort of have this, I guess, little club. Uh, it's America, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the United Kingdom. When we, you might have heard the term G7, those are the countries. So during the G7 summit in May, these nations advocated for sexual and reproductive health and rights, a.k.a. abortion. They said safe and legal abortion and post-abortion care is an essential part of universal health care. And I do find it interesting that all of these nations, America, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the United Kingdom, these are some of the world's leading powers, right? And the most, quote unquote, sophisticated nations in the world. Why do we often see these kind of, quote unquote, sophisticated nations who are the ones who are often leading the charge in some of the most aggressive 
policy on an issue like abortion that is literally advocating for the ending of human life, which is barbaric. I need I need profound thoughts from you guys profound right now. Thoughts. Yeah. No, I, I think it's very interesting that this group specifically um you know is is kind of pushing for this it's it's weird universal health coverage i mean health doesn't involve <laughs> health doesn't involve ending lives it it involves saving, saving. lives and yep. i've just picked up more on the hypocrisy of um these woke idealist um and it's really just the inconsistency that gets me because there was a Fox article recently that came out and said Europe breaks against puberty blockers as U.S. becomes outlier. So why then do we have all of these countries that are saying, you know, universal health care is a right and that right involves rep- reproductive and sexual um, health and rights? Um, why why is that where, how far they're going um, yet they're so quick to say, nope, trans issues, like that's, we're not, we're not going with that. U.S. is going to be an outlier. It's just confusing. And I feel like it's this game of chasing their tails of what the polling supports versus what mm. they actually believe. Because at the end of the day, I'd like to believe that our leaders aren't thinking ending human life is a, a universal health care mm. right an issue. It's, it's not. It also drives me nuts when people are like, oh, it's human right. Like, oh, yeah, my, my right to an education is a human right. Mm-hmm. And my right to healthcare is a human right. Like, no. No. <laughs> like, have you ever read any sort of, like, basic econ textbooks in your whole life? Like, I no. can say anything like, oh, I like energy drink, so energy drink, energy drink in the morning is my human right. Like, I can't get you through my day. You need to start saying that around yeah. the office. <laughs> if I don't get a Celsius every day, I'm oppressed. But it, it's true. It's like... A human right is something that you are born with. And you are, remember, when you were born, you are born, like, uh, naked in the eyes of the Lord and, and the world, you know? <laughs> like, you were born with nothing. and But you still have, even as a, as a baby or in the womb, the right to life, the right, you know, the freedom of speech to say what you want. These are nothing that anybody has to give to you. These are yeah. things that you are inherent values that you are born with. If you were dropped in the middle of, of, of a jungle, you would have all those things, right? Would you have a doctor? No. No. Would you have, you know, access to abortion? No. no. So that means they're not a right. They're they're a service that somebody provides to you. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, when they say this, they are saying that they think that their desires are more important than the work of somebody else. Yeah. And it drives me absolutely bonkers. That is a very good analogy, Lauren. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Oh. Maybe we should just go to the next G7 and, and be like, we're dropping you on an island. Tell us what a right is when you get back. <laughs> also, was, we won't be providing you a boat back. <laughs> Even though the G7 always makes me think of you know, that song, like, yes. so fly like a G6. <laughs> they're not fly. That's why they're G7. <laughs> uh, well, this, this fight to protect life, preserve life, provide rights, human dignity, it obviously it begins in the womb, but it stretches far beyond that. For sure. No. And I I think that's perfectly demonstrated by um, what we're kind of seeing with the human trafficking and human slavery that's Mm -hmm. been going on. I mean, that's not a fun topic to talk about. I don't love the word slavery. I don't think anyone does. We have this natural recoil when we hear that word. But it's really still happening. It's it's really sad. But um, so 
what I've seen in the news is Xi'an, um, an ultra-fast fashion retailer from China, has had some really concerning um, pictures on TikTok. I didn't see it on TikTok. I saw it on the news. But <laughs> um, but there have been some really scary photos coming up. There are little tags, obviously, within your clothing that kind of give you instructions on how to care for your items. Um, it says something like tumble dry low or wash in cold <laughs> Read water. Read the tags. They're important. Yes, they are important. Um, keep your, your clothes alive longer. But in some of these, um, some images have surfaced of the tags reading, I need help. Please help us. I'm in dental pain was one of them, which was a little odd. The validity of these um, these images are still a little under scrutiny, but there is a lot of concern because Sheen, this ultra-fast um, fashion retailer, um, which actually they produce about four, uh, three, they produced last year 315,000 new items, which is actually insane if you think about it. That's what ultra-fast fashion is. Um, fast fashion, for those unfamiliar um, Think Zara, Express, H&M. These stores, on average, will produce 20,000 new styles, um, new items each year. So very huge difference. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not even 10% of what Shein is doing. Um, and so there has been a lot of scrutiny and um, some legitimate claims that they're actually using labor, um, like Uyghur labor, from I'm, China. Yeah, from China. Mm-hmm. Um where there is a higher concentration of these camps um, that they're keeping these Uyghurs in. And so there are some legitimate concerns around it. Um, I saw it and I was startled. I started checking all of my tags um, Mm -hmm. because I have ordered a few things on Amazon. But it really raises the question of here we are so excited on the anniversary of this tremendous Supreme Court case. But what are we doing to ensure that once those babies are born, they are protected? And I mean, obviously, we have a lot of control over what we do in the U.S., but we do have some control as consumers of what we do, you know, in lands like China. And how are we showing via our wallet that we do not support these practices and I, I just, you know, it really makes me think. Well, I think it is the the thing that we have talked about on this show many times is you vote with your dollars. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so hard. My colleague, Samantha Sherris, has been really trying not to buy anything made in China. And so it's made me much more aware of how much am I buying that's made in China because we know so much of the products made in China are made in sweatshops. There's a high probability that items are being made in um, labor camps by Uyghur Muslims. And so when you start paying attention to where are my clothing items coming from and thinking about, okay, who who could have made this and what am I supporting mm-hmm. when I purchase certain things, it's really hard to find clothes that are – it's nearly impossible to find clothes that are made in America. Like you really have to seek that out. Um, but then even to find clothes that are not made in China or India, it's very challenging. And it creates, though, an opportunity, I think, to say, okay, I'm going to make one small sacrifice in my life in order to hopefully um, be a part of a little bit of, of a movement of people that are saying, okay, I'm not going to I'm not going um, to participate in potentially furthering forced labor. Yeah. I really recommend the first episode of a recent kind of six episode arc on the Heritage Explains podcast Mm. with our colleague Mark Guiney. He actually sat down with Kevin Roberts and and told a story about how for his wedding registry, he was looking for a coffee maker 
not made in China. And it's just mm. a really like fun story, and I think it really kind of highlights exactly what what Sam is getting with with you, Virginia. Of like mm. every and I, I, you know what I really wish, Amazon had a made in America button. Oh, mm. that would be awesome. Yeah, because I now even search like you know for whatever I'm looking for and made in USA, and it never works. It's yeah. like mm. it's like designed in the USA. I'm like <laughs> not the same not thing. The same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's just it's so hard, right? Like it's mm-hmm. so hard. Everything that we make, and we're just used to, you know, okay, a shirt costs 10 bucks, right? But if you want to buy a shirt made in, in the USA, it might cost 40, 40 yeah. right? And it's it's hard to make those decisions. And, you know, some people might not be able to afford it. But I think what you need to do is really examine what you spend your money on, right? Because if you – I'm going to get philosophical again. Mm. Listen, Whew, right? <laughs> your treasure is your time, right? You, yeah. you, work, you go to work and – you give your time and you get treasure, right? So you're you're really spending part of yourself when you spend your money. And I think that's why it's so important that it does seem easy to buy, like, we, we call it Chinese crap, right? <laughs> um, it seems so easy, like, oh, I'll yeah. just buy this, like, little Chinese crap, it'll be easy. But, like, no, you, it's worth it to buy less and buy better quality. Mm. Not only so you can sleep easier at night, but exactly what you're saying is to know that you're not supporting, like, these terrible practices. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine if this was happening in our backyard. Like, we, we wouldn't be sleeping. But because it's on the other side of the world, Americans are willing to turn the blind eye. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we're going to talk about a little bit of a of an even harsher reality when it comes to, um, to slavery, to modern-day slavery and forced labor. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But Lauren... I have we to know go. You, you have to go. So we're going to let you go. Thank you. Thanks for joining miss us you guys. today. I know. We miss you too. So good to have you on. I'll be back soon. Okay. Bye, Lauren. Bye. So as we've been talking about, there's this fight that is raging across the world when it comes to human trafficking, when it comes to forced labor. Um, there is a major fight that's really come to the surface in recent years, and that specifically has to do with child human trafficking and child sex slavery. Trafficking is a $150 billion industry annually, every single year, and millions of those who are who are trafficked, who are in, um, whether it's forced labor, sex slavery, millions of those individuals are kids. There are more people in slavery today than at any other time in history, even when slavery was legal. And there is a new film out. We we don't often um, really endorse films on problematic women. We talk about them sometimes. But there's a new movie that I had the privilege of going to the red carpet premiere on Tuesday night for, and it's called Sound of Freedom. So this is a movie that um, the... Uh, the streaming platform Angel Studios is hosting and helping to push out and promote Angel Studios is the one that produced The Chosen. Um, but this movie, Sound of Freedom, it follows an actual true story. There's a man who has literally taken on this mission to free children who have been who have been trafficked. His name is Tim Ballard, and he is a man who has taken up this call really from God. He was an agent for years in the U.S. government. And then he had an opportunity where he was able to um, to rescue a little boy from sex trafficking. And he found out that this little boy's sister was also 
um, in sex trafficking and had been abducted. And he just felt so deeply and so called by the Lord of, I need to go and find this girl. And so the movie lays out this, based on a true story, this wild chain of events of how he risked all. Uh, he's he's a father, he's a husband, and with his wife's blessing, he risked all to go and save this girl. And then that led to literally now he has his own organization that teams up with local law enforcement. They go into some of the hardest and darkest places in the world and they pull kids out of, I think one of the terms that they use in the film is the recesses of hell. I mean, literally going in uh, and pulling kids out of just these dark situations where they're being forced into exploitation every single day. So you sit there and you're watching this film. It's a full theatrical movie. And a, a couple thoughts, uh, you know, you're sitting there watching it. And first I'm like, this is, it's so awesome to see a conservative Christian movie that is, is so well made. The production quality is beautiful. I will be the first person to criticize a poorly made movie. <laughs> this movie is very, very well made. They did a lovely job with it. The man that plays Tim Ballard is Jim Caviezel. That name might be familiar because he's kind of a big deal. <laughs> uh, he played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ. Um, he played Edward in Count of Monte Cristo. It's a oh, great, yeah, I know. I great. That. Yeah, yeah. I love that movie. Great book too. <laughs> um, and so I was sitting there watching the movie and you watch these types of movies that bring conviction and I think push like all your justice buttons. And as the credits were rolling, you know, you're sort of thinking, okay, but what's, what can I do? Because not everyone is going to be Tim Ballard and quit their job and start an organization and literally start breaking down doors to rescue children. Some people will be called to that. Some people will be called to work at the State Department and fight trafficking. Some people will be called to work at nonprofits like the International Justice Mission and fight against human trafficking. But for many of us, we watch movies like Sound of Freedom and, you know, we still get up the next morning and go to work you know mm. we still have to cook dinner for our kids or you know attend family events like life still moves forward so what's our response and so the movie ended and I'm sitting there and I was reminded of a prayer that I love to pray that I've been praying for years and it's God break my heart for what breaks yours let me weep over what you weep over and rejoice over what you rejoice over I'm like, okay, that's the first step, I think. Like, that's what we can all do mm -hmm. is be a part of saying this is this is actually a good thing to hold God's heart for these kids, to recognize that there's a great injustice happening, to allow that to move you. We're so inundated in our <laughs> world, Kristen, with so much bad news. Like, you turn yeah. on the TV and there was another shooting or, you know, you, you're walking through the aisles of the grocery store and, you know, you see magazines that you know someone was tragically murdered and i mean it's just bad news is everywhere and it becomes actually really easy to become numb to it and i think that there is incredible power and beauty in letting our hearts be softened and reminded of the fact that there's a real battle and war going on and as, for me as a christian like there's this invitation from the lord of but will you weep over what I weep over? Mm. And will you rejoice over what I rejoice over? And I think the response within that place is, okay, 
um, at the very least, Lord, now I'm informed that I can be praying for the ending of, of child sexual exploitation. Um, and it, it's a powerful moment of, I want to take action. I want to do something. And maybe it looks like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to use my money and instead of buying those clothes that are made in China, I'm going to choose to, you know, give 20 bucks every month to an organization that is doing great work to end human trafficking. Um, but it, it brings this, this level of conviction that I think is really healthy for us to enter into those places once in a while where we let our hearts be deeply moved by really hard things that are happening in our world. No, I, I'm, man, I feel like I got a nice little preview there because I'm seeing the movie <laughs> today, but um, so powerful. I like, I'm still trying to respond in my head to this because you are so right. A lot of people are very okay with living in ignorance. And to be honest, I was too for mm. the longest time. I, I've said this before. I'm from Illinois. Politics and all of that really not a huge thing there um, when you're growing up in the middle of, of cornfields. Um, <laughs> but this is such an important issue. And I remember growing up, you know, we learned about slavery and we never talked about human trafficking as it still stands. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, there has been a little bit of awareness um, increased in our in our society since, you know, the early 2000s. But mm -hmm. still, this is largely not talked about or, you know, people brushed under the rug because yeah. they are uncomfortable. And I it's very think uncomfortable. To your point, and that actually, for those of you who maybe are familiar with The Sound of Freedom, um, you might be because it has taken over the Instagram ads a little bit. Um, the actor, Tim, who um, is the star of the show, is very upfront with this is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. This mm -hmm. is supposed to be upsetting. And this is supposed to make it so that we sell. He encouraged people to go to the, the movies this weekend because that's yeah. showing this weekend. It's showing July 4th is but, when it premieres. Shoot. Yeah. So July 4th, he says, flood every theater and show that we are against human trafficking because it is not just if this goes to the top of the box office, it's a signal. Again, we're paying. We're voting with our dollars. Mm -hmm. um, it's a signal to those that are involved in human trafficking. It's a signal that we are not putting up with it anymore. We yeah. are not tolerating it anymore. And there will be repercussions, deadly repercussions. Mm -hmm. um, I think on the more positive side, obviously, <laughs> um, yeah, God has a plan. And there's yeah. a reason that that stuck out to you when the credits were rolling. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important for those of you that do see it. It probably will be upsetting. But just remember, God is there. He is with you always. And um you're supposed to be feeling the way you're feeling so that you can start to make the change that is going to be life-changing yeah. for these children that have been forgotten for far too long. Yeah, it, it's a really big deal to just be a part of acquiring knowledge on an <laughs> issue. And they talked about this, um, uh, some of the folks that were involved in making the movie uh, and some of the actors, including including Jim Caviezel and Tim Ballard were there before um, before watching the film on Tuesday night when I went to the red carpet event. And they talked about the fact that, uh, you know, slavery didn't end just because of Abraham Lincoln, that there was this uprising of people that were crying out and saying this is an injustice. And, you know, there was stories being told about the injustice and Uncle Tom's cabin. And, and it was through so many of these things that uh, Abraham Lincoln, you know, became this force for change, but it started with awareness and it started with this, these cries for, 
for justice, for people seeing what was happening and saying enough is enough. Yeah. No more. I this is horrible. But last night I was watching The Office for the first time in forever. And like there's Diversity Day episode where Michael Scott is like <laughs> such an uncomfortable episode. <laughs> yes. But he's like, Abraham Lincoln said, if you like slavery, I'm going to attack you with the North. That is not how it happened. No. And that is not how this is going to happen. So just to lighten the mood a little bit, yes, yes. go to the movies. This is this is our way of, of showing the world and signaling that this is not going to be tolerated anymore Mm -hmm. and this is the first step in many to your point that is going to really start to make change yeah yeah so july 4th if you want i mean gosh to go see a movie called sound of freedom as we celebrate our own freedoms get a like firecracker popsicle exactly (laughs) to stand in support of other people having freedom what a great way to spend July 4th. But I also understand it. If you know, you're know you cooking out or whatever, go see it on the 5th or the 6th. You're probably going to be hanging out with family. Grab your family. It is an action movie. It is action-packed. It is well-acted. And also, if you are interested in supporting the work that um, that Tim Ballard is doing, his organization is Oper- Operation Underground Railroad. Um, it's O-U-R rescue.org if you want to learn more um, and you can find out about the show by either just looking up Sound of Freedom or you can go on the Angel Studios website and find more purchase tickets. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to crown our problematic woman of the week. We get it. With big media bias, it's hard to find accurate, honest news. That's why we've put together the Morning Bell Newsletter, a compilation of the top stories and conservative commentary. To subscribe, just head to dailysignal.com slash subscription, or visit dailysignal.com and click on the connect button at the top of the page. Now, it is that time. Once again, my favorite time of the week. Time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to... All the baby girls who have been born since Roe v. Wade was overturned one year ago. We we know that there are literally tens of thousands of babies that have been born whose lives have been saved, who otherwise would have been aborted if Roe v. Wade was still in place, but have been saved since Roe was overturned. And I just kind of love thinking about that. The yeah. fact that like my kids one day might be friends with little <laughs> girls who wouldn't otherwise be alive. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. No, it's so, I mean, we are literally in a generation that is going to be, like, taken care of, honestly, because we're 20 years out mm-hmm. by those that are are protected by this law. And Absolutely. by, like, just the, you know, the work of thousands and thousands of women for the last 50 years. Like, mm-hmm. this is such a powerful moment. And... All those baby girls that are going to make change and baby boys, and too. Baby boys. We'll give it to I them. Know. To, we'll, yeah. we'll let the boys have it, too. We need time. strong men. That's what Ben Watson said. Exactly. <laughs> but um, that are really, you know, like they're here. They're with us. And we can thank God for that. Yeah. What an honor. What a privilege. OK, well, as you are celebrating this week, the ending of Roe v. Wade, uh, be sure to kind of be asking yourself that question of, again, like, what's my role to play in this movement? We've, we've talked about a lot of big issues today. Abortion, human trafficking, child slavery. You know, it. you can't, we can't fix it all. It's actually not our job to fix it all. Um, but we can all do something. Yeah. So just let it be asking yourself, what is, what is maybe that little something that I can do? With that, that's going to be it for this week's edition of Parliament of Women. 
Join us next Thursday morning for a brand new edition. And in the meantime, please subscribe and share. As conservatives, we need your support in the podcast world. So take just a minute to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, wherever you like to listen. And to those dads out there, happy belated Father's Day. Uh, yes. yes. We yes, yes. probably would not be here. I mean, I wouldn't be here without my dad. I know oh, Virginia. no, I wouldn't either. Yeah. For sure. So, thanks, Dad. Yeah, thanks, Dad. And uh, have a great week, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. And be sure to follow Problematic Women on Instagram. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.